You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Hey everyone, welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Crankfield. It's great to be with you today. Happy Veterans Day to all you veterans out there. Great. Uh, what a great day to just remember the, those who serve our country, those who are willing to put their lives on the line for our freedom, and uh, just the importance of you know our military, our um, first responders here you know, at home, and those who are willing to take the fight to the enemy of the United States abroad. I think it's great. So uh, happy Veterans Day, everybody. And I, I have, uh, you know, this is kind of my follow up to, to Monday's podcast to my message about are we on God's side or not? And uh, this one is more, um, you know, focused on America in general. So it's more focused on our mindset, kind of kind of as a church in the United States, kind of the church in America, but also just kind of yeah, just some of the perspective and stuff that I see in, in the United States. And I think Veterans Day can be a good time to to do this day. Veterans Day is good for this because Veterans Day is the day where we take a lot of pride, right? If there's one thing that we know America kicks ass in in the world, it's our military, right? We do have the best Army, Navy, Air Force in the world. And uh, I'll even say the Marines contribute to that as well. And so we're really, really grateful for those who serve and, and the effort that they put in and just, you know, our emphasis on that, what our, our military has been able to accomplish in our, you know, almost 250 years of, of existing as a nation. Like we've done some incredible things. So, you know, I'm honored to have been a part of, uh, you know, a very, very little sliver of history of that in the United States military, my time in the army, but also very grateful for all those who I served with and, and definitely grateful for those who came before me and did things a lot harder and a lot more important than what I did. So I think, you know, Veterans Day gives us a, a good sense of like healthy pride, right? And we should have pride in the United States. Like I'm, I'm a patriot, you know, I love America <laughs> with the best of them. And I think that we should have a healthy sense of pride in our country without a doubt. There's no question about that. But I think part of the challenge when you have that is that we can take the pride in America past where it should go. And so what I talked about last time was on Monday, if you recall, is just the separation of church and state and the need for us to be formed in our faith, to take that into our politics so that we can uh, make well-formed decisions, right? But that we shouldn't put our politics over our faith, over our religion. 
And so I think that that's really important. But I think a lot of times we also can mistake our, you know, our love for America and prioritize that over our love for the kingdom of God. And we have to be very, very careful with that. And I think that we definitely do have some elitism. I don't know how you could deny that as the United States. Now, this is, like I said, this is not going to be a bash in the U.S. Uh, podcast, but I think that undeniably and like somewhat rightfully so, right? We're a cocky nation. We have the most influence in the world. We lead in a lot of powerful and awesome categories. We basically run the world economy. We There's nobody that influences culture the way that we do in the world. Um, I've already talked about our military. You know, like we're pretty pretty awesome. And I, I agree with that. But I think the danger in that is that we always have to be first, seek first the kingdom of God. Always remember that we are ambassadors for Christ, that we belong to him. We belong in heaven. And we are that before we are anything else. And that that is the only thing that will last forever. That is the only thing that will last forever. And so what I think is important with that is that you know, this is, I guess this is going to kind of be my uh, pessimistic, pessimistic point of the day is that the church or that the United States of America isn't necessarily going to last forever. And I think that that's an important uh, statement to make, an important point to make, because I think that there's a lot of people out there on both sides of the aisle who believe that. I think that you see people on, um, you see people on the left who the your extreme left people, you know, far, far left, hate America at its core, believe that it's founded in racism, bigotry and sexism and all these evil things and that nothing is good in America and that we need to completely rebuild it. And I'm always amazed at how the people who hate America the most somehow think that we can change everything about it and that we're still going to thrive. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I don't know how you can hate a country, but also believe that we're like invincible, right? We're indestructible. And we can just, you know, as many radical politicians and social leaders have said, completely tear down the systems and rebuild them and recreate them, especially to mimic them after socialist countries who have proven that that doesn't work, that have proven to fail. The United States is the greatest country of all time because of what we've put in place and I say we very loosely, you know, what the founding fathers put in place in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the way that we set up our country and our free markets. And so to completely radicalize and change that is going to fundamentally change America. And it will not be America. It will not be the America that we know and love today in 50 years. It could be 20 years, you know, if we ad if we adopt these things. And that's what we have to be careful of. And I think there's a lot of people in the middle, a lot of well, you know, I talked about this last last uh, podcast on Monday. A lot of well intentions and, you know, good hearted, kind hearted Catholics and Christians who, um, you know, get drawn into the emotional appeal of the of the Democratic Party. And I think that the thing you have to be careful with with that is that socialism is going to ruin, socialism is going to ruin America. <laughs> you know, if we if we adopt this far left agenda, who seems to be really pushing the Democratic Party and, you know, one of whom just got elected potentially to vice president we have to be careful to understand that like America is not going to last forever. And so we, you know, when we're, when we're choosing our values, I think that's one of the values that people don't really realize is up for grabs or is at stake is uh, the value of, of our personal freedom, personal Liberty, right. Our ability to choose our ability to pursue happiness um, through the American dream is honestly at stake. It's not something that I think 
people mistakenly believe is going to last forever. And the other side of that, I think on the right side where I see, you know, where I get frustrated with people sometimes is I think that there's people on the right who also think that America will prevail. And I think that this is most commonly heard in this kind of cliche statement that's being thrown around a lot right now, which is that no matter who's the president and no matter what happens, like God is in control, which is true. I want to emphasize first and foremost that that is true. I'm not downplaying anybody's faith and their optimism and their hope in God's God's providence. But I think that we also have to remember that I think some people say that, and I've seen other people say that like America will be okay because God is in control. And that is where I disagree. When it's emphasized or implied that because God is in control, because God is all-knowing and all-powerful, that our country is going to survive this or that our country is going to last, that is not accurate. I don't believe in that. I don't believe that we are God's chosen people. And I think there's at times people in the American church and church leaders, you know, whether it be priests, bishops, or Protestant pastors that I've heard that are very, very patriotic, that believe in some weird sense that that America is like God's chosen country. And that we're, you know, because we saved the world in the past, we're always going to be the world savers and we're always going to be blessed by God and all these things. And I think that, you know, that may have been more true when we were more faithful to God, but we have greatly drifted from any type of Christian nation, being any type of Christian nation in the last 60 years. If you've seen what's happened to traditional marriage, if you've seen what's happened to natural law, you know, with with, with gender and, and different things. And if you see what's happened, obviously the biggest thing that I talk about all the time recently is abortion. If you see what's happened with abortion, um, it's hard to, you know, think that if you, if you know of, like, even if we were, like, one thing that I tell people is I'm like, even if we were God's chosen people, like, look what he did to Israel every time they really started getting wild. <laughs> and do you think that we're going to kill 60 plus million of our own babies and, like, God's going to just, like, endlessly bless our nation? Probably not, right? That would be my guess. So, I always, you know, I'm always thinking about that when it comes to abortion and the pro-life movement. I'm like, even if you believe in karma, right? Like, even if you believe in the universe and vibes and all that weird stuff, like, you can't imagine that any good karma, any good vibes, any good anything is coming our way after you kill 60 million babies, right? Like, that's got to be like, if you want to talk about what's going to get you some bad fate and some bad, you know, some bad, get you dealt a bad hand on the next round, it would be killing uh, millions of babies, I would assume, um, would be up there probably number one. I can't think of anything really that would be worse than that. So we we have to keep in mind that like we are not, America is not God's chosen people. Now, the optimism that comes through that and why I still think the fundamental statement that God's in control and we're going to be okay is true is because of the fact that the church will always survive. The church is always going to go on and we're, we're, the gates of hell will never rise against and overpower the church. But again, we have to understand that that doesn't mean that there's never going to be martyrs or we're never going to be rejected or that we're never going to be persecuted or we're never going to be criticized or mocked or all these different things that happen to uh, the church during these difficult times. And so I just want people to understand because I don't know what's coming. I'm not trying to be like a doom, a spiritual doomsday prepper, but I want people to understand that like we might be going into some really challenging times. This year has been really challenging for the church. If you look at uh, how major cities have been run, the way churches have been shut down. I, I talked about this on Monday, so I don't want to re-hit all of that, but just understanding how much uh, the, the Catholicism and bigotry towards Catholicism is, is tolerated, we have to be mindful of the fact that things could get very challenging, things could get very difficult for us in these coming decades, and so we have to continue to fight for what is going to help 
advance the cause of the kingdom of God here on earth. And we can't be cowardly in doing so. And we also can't be pessimistic, but we also can't be unrealistically optimistic in how easy it's going to be. And so, I mean, there's a lot of grace and good things that will flow through us during during difficult times, during challenging times. Um, but we just have to keep in mind, you know, uh, how hard it's going to be and that persecution is truly to be expected, that Jesus told us that persecution is going to be expected um, and that we're, we're called to, you know, this, this deep devotion to personal holiness and to evangelization uh, in spite of that. And, and that if we pursue those two things, that we're going to uh, be able to thrive nonetheless in the midst of that persecution. And there's been many saints throughout time that have, that have proven that. So that's not a surprise, right? Now, understand, like I said, I'm not trying to be some negative, like, doomsday prepper, like, you know, Bruce Almighty, you know, screaming to God, smite me, Almighty, smite her. If you remember that, that was, I used to love Bruce Almighty. I watched it literally every night for, like, six months, I think. That might be an exaggeration, but I watched it a lot. I don't even know why I liked it so much, but I did love me some Bruce Almighty. I am a big Jim Carrey fan, and that's going back, like, way back to, like, the mask days. And, uh, you know, Ace Ventura and stuff like that. Love, love me some Ace Ventura. All righty then. So moving on. Um, I think one of the things that I'm really passionate about, too, is this is one of the things that that I, I've come to, to learn or believe during this time, uh, you know, in regards to it doesn't matter who becomes president, right? Who our next president is. You know, one of my favorite podcasters, his name is Matt Walsh, works at The Daily Wire, um, and he's Catholic, and, and he talked about how, you know, the, the and I'll put this in, in spiritual terms, not just political terms, but he's like, you know, no matter who's the president, he's like, it doesn't seem to be making much of a difference in the way that our, our world is going, the direction that our country is headed in. He talked about how he'd lived through a majority of his life in conservative uh, administrations and Republican administrations. And he talked about, you know, liberal or democratic administ presidential administrations that he'd lived through. Um, and his point was that over the last 20, 30 years, the world has only gotten substantially more progressive and more liberal. You know, one of the things that I think is, is really important or really interesting is how, like, if you went back, you know, I mean, we talk all the time and, and a lot of people give a president or, you know, um, Vice President Biden a lot of a lot of grace in this area to say that people can change when, when pointing back to some of the, the racist either policies or words or, you know, uh, different things that they said, you know, a lot of people point out and forget that like president Obama was originally against same sex marriage. Um, and, and when you have things like that, I think it's interesting to see how many times, how much people's opinions and thoughts and directions and, and uh, stances on different things have changed radically over the last 30 years. And that's happened a lot in the world and it's all gone towards progressivism. It's all gone towards liberalism. And, and honestly, it's all gone away. Pretty much all of it has gone away towards away from conservative values. I don't know how we can argue that it hasn't unless you are a believer that, you know, universal health care is, a, is a, a basic human right. And that that kind of falls into, you know, Catholic teaching, Catholic social teaching, then perhaps um, maybe some of the things that we've done for the environment have been, you know, you could you could say, I know the Pope's passionate about that. You could say that those things kind of, you know, are at least pleasing to God. They're definitely not, you know, offensive in God's eyes. I don't, I don't believe that. Um, I, I think that sometimes they can be over-prioritized or, you know, exaggerated, but I don't think by any means that, you know, taking care of the climate or the world is 
um, offensive to the Lord. So those things are good. So it's not 100%, but I think you can see pretty radically that the, you know, the world in the last 50, 60 years has gone away from the Lord. We've gone away from God. Our culture has. You can see it in church attendance, the way that the church is shrinking, the way the church has been persecuted, the way that we've had to fight legal battles in court to not, you know, be forced to, to fund abortions in the church, to not be forced to fund um, you know, contraception to not be forced to fund gender gender reassignment surgeries and and those things. Like we are in a constant battle, and it's only getting harder and harder, and more difficult. You see the the the, the number of of uh, minority kids, especially black families, without with a father with a, with an absent father, has I think doubled or tripled in the last uh, sixty years. The way that those things have happened, I obviously hit on abortion already. Like we have gone in a direction that is away from the Lord and away from what God wants and what God envisions for the human person, the human life, um, human dignity, the, you know, the sexual revolution and all these different things that have just greatly impacted our country. And so I think that we have to understand like my optimism in that, my optimism in this negativity, right? Because I like to pull out the seeds of optimism because I think they're always there is that it, it really doesn't, in my opinion, make a huge difference who's in presidential office, because either way, there's a rising voice, you know, in this extremist, um, like socialist, you know, abortion till full term abortion, um, like no reality as far as gender, or marriage, like people can do whatever they want kind of stuff. Like when we lose all of that, like that, that is continuously growing and expanding no matter who's in the office. Um, I would not say the last four years over President Trump has made us, has changed the country, has changed the culture to be more conservative, be, to be more Christian. And so, you know, I, it's not necessarily a shot at President Trump. I just think that that hasn't happened. It's just accurate, I think. And so I think that what that means for us and the optimism and the hope in that is that no matter who's the president next, like our battle, and this is something I believe too is true in a lot of ways in, in racism, is that our battle is is cultural, it's ideological it's relational, you know, like we have to win back the hearts and minds of, of God's people to God. And I think that we've lost a lot of, you know, baptized people away to this worldly, uh, political, very woke kind of like do whatever feels right. It's like nothing is real. Like everything's about feelings and emotions and all that stuff. We've lost a lot of God's people to this, these beliefs, and we have to win those people back with love and truth. And so that's a hefty, hefty job. And as I said on Monday, we're not going to 100% all the time succeed and thrive and, and crush that. But I think nevertheless, we have to try, right? We have to try. We have to recognize that this is our responsibility. This is our fight. That is where the battle truly lies. The battle doesn't lie it, it does lie in voting, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have voted, but I think that we also have to understand how important the cultural battle is. And that if you have, you know, these extreme extremist leftist ideologies in uh, Hollywood, they dominate Hollywood, they dominate um, your universities, academia, all the way through. I forget, I wish I could remember the actual stats on the number of professors that identify as liberals versus conservatives is wildly dominated by liberals. I think it's like 85% um, in colleges. And then you think about, um, and, and again, this is not just to make a shot at liberals, but this is a shot at the liberal beliefs, mainly the liberal beliefs that I think are contrary to God's teaching, which I think are the most extreme, namely abortion, right? So abortion being the worst one of those 
And to think that that, you know, when you see things like the 1619 Project or critical race theory or this, this, these distortions of, um, you know, American history that just paint America as this hor horrific bad guy, this, this villain of a nation, when you see that happening, the dangerous part of that is that that's what's leading people to think, yes, we do need to tear down every aspect of our country. And what I do, you know, relate to or what has drawn me for further through the uh, conservative side of things is understanding that I love America. I believe that America's foundations and principles are why we have what we have. It's why we have the greatest, we created like the middle class, you know, like it's why we have the greatest middle class of all time. Um, and whether, you know, whether we've completely, we haven't completely eradicated poverty, no, but literally nobody ever has. Like, we, I think sometimes we forget that, like, we get so focused on our problems here in the United States that we neglect the fact that other countries also have these problems. I, I use this analogy a lot. I say that a lot of times people in the United States are like a high schooler with their family. Right. And what I mean by that is like when you're in high school, you're dramatic as hell and you think that your family is the worst family in the world. Your parents are awful. They're so mean because they don't let you do whatever you want. Right. And you have all these things, you know, and you're just like, well, the you know, Smiths down the road, they have a bigger TV and this family is nicer and they have more kids and, and whatever it is, whatever you don't have. You look at somebody else and think that you have it the worst. Right. And that's how I feel like people are in the United States of America. We look at, you know, take racism, for example, we look at racism in the U.S. and we're like, uh, you know, I can't believe we haven't completely eradicated racism. There's still people who write N-word on, on, on signs or um, call people with the N-word or, you know, we have police brutality that um, shows, you know, black men getting killed by white cops and things like that. And it's like, do you like for some people, it's like, do you know the extent of, of police corruption in other countries? Do you know the extent of racism? Do you, you know, I, I know soldiers who have been in Korea, black soldiers who have been in Korea or black sailors who have been in Japan. And it's like, do you know how they get treated over there? Like you, you honestly think that even the American South right now, my experiences that I've had, I've been in Indiana, I've been in Georgia, I've been in South Carolina, I've been in Alabama, um, as a black man. And I can tell you that the stories that I've heard from them, now obviously there's going to be some one-offs in those other countries as well, but you can't act, you can't tell me. And if you've ever been to, you can't tell me that, that we're the only country that still deals with any of that stuff. And, and that we haven't in a large part, like eradicated it more than anybody else has. We've done, we've made incredible progress in those realms. Doesn't mean we don't have still have work to do. Doesn't mean we still shouldn't strive to make a difference and make an impact. But it's a completely different direction that I feel like we try to come from. And this is one of the things that has drawn me more to the conservative side of things is that your, your extremists on the left are saying, you know, we need to completely tear down and break down America and rebuild it. And things like critical race theory or things like these gender ideologies that are, are creeping into literally our public education systems are funding or are setting a foundation for that throw over, for that takeover to happen, for socialism to come in. Because when you're teaching everybody that America is, is uh, ignorant and evil at its foundation, at its, you know, fundamentally, you're teaching that to our youth, you're teaching that to our kids, you're teaching that to our middle schoolers, high schoolers and college kids. And then you're, you know, implying all these other things and how um, you know, Donald Trump is the most evil man in the world and every conservative hates people and Catholics and religious people hate gay people. And, you know, you're filling them with all these ideas like that. Like, I feel like not enough people really understand how deep it is and how intentional and strategic this throwover is becoming. And I think that there's so many people who I find, you know, who are moderates or in the middle who buy in. And this was me. And I really want to do a whole podcast on my journey. 
um, with this stuff. But I was one of those people who bought into the, you know, like the, the saying goes, if you're, if you're young and conservative, you don't have a heart. And it's because of the fact that liberal ideas, you know, paying off people's uh, student loans, you know, making college free for people, uh, free things for other people, you know, like that all sounds really nice. It sounds really kind. It sounds really helpful. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive to make healthcare affordable. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, do uh, that the criminal justice system doesn't need reform because I do believe that. I'm not saying we don't need police reform and that police don't need better training on how to handle, uh, you know, violent suspects. But I just think that sometimes we have to be careful in endorsing some of these left-leaning ideologies and, and these brands and these ideas that seem nice on the front, but then they have all this other stuff packed into the bills and the ideas and the, the politicians that we're electing because it's a really dangerous game to play. It's a really, really dangerous game to play. And unless you're fully on board with that, which I think that you, you can be, but just understand what that means for our religious liberties and our religious freedoms and how that's going to impact us as a church, but not just in a selfish way, but how that's going to impact the unborn, how it's ultimately going to impact um, poverty, because socialism doesn't eradicate poverty, it creates it. So understand that, like, you can you can have those ideas, and you can think that it's nice, but the economy is not, you know, I think that people, like I said earlier, you know, people think that we're just going to be invincible, and that the United States is just going to go on forever. And like, there's not just an endless amount of, of money and, you know, economy doesn't isn't invincible as you've seen before we've seen it crash and yet we still somehow think that it's just going to continue on forever and so i think you just have to be careful with what we believe and what we promote um but really maintain you know the discipline to understand that our battle is interpersonal our battle is who we can influence our sphere of control our sphere of influence but um we just have to understand how important it is to be getting those you know Christian, Judeo-Christian values and principles and beliefs back out into the world. And we have to do that through evangelization. I'm not, I'm not saying that we have to vote that in. I'm saying that we have to be better at evangelizing. And one thing that I think a lot of, you know, prominent, strong Catholic leaders have, have said is that America has never really had to evangelize. We were originally a Christian nation. And for the most part, we remained a Christian nation for most of our history. And so we never really had to go out and really like evangelize. Like most people just did went to church because it was what their family did. It was what they were raised doing. And so we have so many churches that are so empty now. Like now is the time where we're really starting to realize like, wow, people are leaving. People are leaving the church. And I think a lot of that's what's happened over the last 60 years, as I've already said. And so we have to remember that evangelization forming character, forming our own hearts and minds to be educated and informed so we can go out and make true good decisions. And as I said on Monday, I'm not saying, I do not believe that the Republican Party represents 100% of Jesus's teachings. I just believe that by and large, the, the liberal leftist, extreme leftist agenda, your Ilhan Omar's, your Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's, your Kamala Harris's of the world, Bernie Sanders, I think that these people hold radical leftist agendas that are going to, that if implemented fully, would bring down the United States of America in a pretty substantial way and would definitely have a negative impact on our religious liberties and our religious freedoms. Um, it's, it's out there, it's true, it's real. And I think that we have to be careful with that and understand that when we're voting and who we're supporting um, and who we're criticizing and who we're endorsing, like we have to be mindful of those things and we have to be careful of of you know what what is the bigger picture not just right now who's saying the nice things not just right now who's you know pleasing my emotions or who's you know uh more pleasing to the eyes or you know the heart or whatever but genuinely genuinely who is going to lead our country in the direction that's going to allow america to continue to exist and thrive in the way that we have 
And that's what we need, um, you know, because it's not we're not going to be a unified nation if we're only unified around leftism and the leftist agenda of, of abortion, no gender, no traditional marriage. Like we're not that's not going to be unified. And if it is unified, we, we as a church cannot be unified with those people who believe those things. And so to believe that somebody like, um, you know, Kamala Harris, who votes against everything that that the church believes in and supports and votes against our religious liberties, because, you know, her Senate record has shown that she consistent she votes more liberal than Bernie Sanders does, um, who is a, a, an admitted socialist. Socialism, you know, and communism thrive only in atheist nations. We have to understand these things that that like for a Catholic to believe that Kamala Harris is going to unify our country, you're either going to abandon the church or you're going to abandon this new country and this new ideology that she's creating. There's no way for us to be unified with her. There's just no way. There's no way for it, you know. And I'm not saying that we have to be. I, I am personally not a, a Donald Trump fanatic. I'm not a Donald Trump T-shirt wearer. I'm not a Donald Trump hat wearer, and I'm not criticizing those who are. But I'm saying that I am personally not somebody who's going to defend everything that he does as morally straight and morally right. I don't think that he's a, a you know a wonderful, outstanding role model. I think that there's a lot of Catholics and Christians in the world who deny and neglect. Uh, some of the, you know, just unreasonable and sinful and, and nasty parts of his personality, his character, his past and his present that are not needed. They're not necessary. There's definitely a strength and a toughness that's needed to be him and to, you know, to, for him to even have won this, this the election in 2016, um, for him to get a lot of the stuff done that he did that was good. Um, there was a toughness and a strength that's needed there. And some people say that he had to be, you know, who he is to do that. And I think that, you know, as a believer, I think that God can work through a virtuous man just like he can work through a, a vicious man, you know, and you can get good things done with a lot of virtue as well. And so I think that we can't neglect those things either, but we have to understand, as many people have said, policies over feelings. And, you know, not just because Kamala Harris, there's all those videos and, and I'm focusing on her more than I am Joe Biden, but um, there's all these videos of her, you know, laughing and cackling and all these different jokes. She gets asked hard questions and she just laughs. And then you see Donald Trump on the other side who scowls and is serious and mean and sarcastic. Don't be deceived by the laughs of people. You know, I often say that just because somebody's crying when you're in a fight. Yeah, I said this a few weeks ago with the failure podcast. Just because somebody starts crying and is upset when you're in a fight doesn't mean that they're right. And just because somebody's laughing and happy and smiling at you doesn't mean they have your best interest in mind. And so we have to be careful with that. I understand. I have I've, I am. I say again, I think I'm, I don't know if I said this on Monday or not. I am still technically a registered Democrat in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm not speaking as somebody who was born and raised conservative. I grew up in a split home. I'm not speaking to you as somebody who's a hard nosed, you know, MAGA hat wearing uh, Donald Trump fanatic that defends everything he does. I'm speaking to you as a fellow Christian to say that we have to be mindful of the things we vote for, the people we support, the, the policies that we endorse in the in the in this age of wokeism, in this age of you know political correctness, in the in this age of fear of being canceled and people thinking we're mean or people calling us mean names like being racist or sexist or whatever, we have to stand up for what is right. There cannot be, I, I don't think that it's good for your soul to be in a place that nobody knows whether you're pro-life, nobody knows whether you're pro-traditional marriage, nobody knows if you're religious. You can't like this is. If there's ever been a time to not hide it, maybe a hundred years ago when, you know, fathers were in the home and, and things were pretty good, 
you could you could live a, a more quiet spiritual life, but I don't think where we're at now, <laughs> anybody can afford to do that and, and is going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant at the end of your days. You have to evangelize. You have to get out there. You have to pursue personal holiness now in an extreme and devoted manner because that's the only way that we're going to change things because our battle is cultural, guys. Our battle is what's around us. Our battle is in raising great kids. Our battle is in being great friends to each other, to holding each other accountable so that we can be holy men and women who will radically impact the world you know with the love of god and with mercy not with the socialist communist agenda that's going to breed atheism and just bring our country down um you know and i i believe you know as a patriot as a lover of the united states of america i hope and pray that the united states remains you know a force for good in this world an influence of, of a positive influence in this world but i also understand that it might not and that even if it doesn't the church always will and the church has to rise and we need good faithful lay people we need good faithful priests and religious and it's up to us to to be those people it's up to us to help others be those people and we can do that and that's your hope your message of hope and optimism and that's what we always have to believe and, and trust to be true and we know that's true and so praise the lord for what we have what we've experienced in america let's let's pray to god that he'll help us to to maintain it and that no matter what happens we'll remain faithful to him and spread his message of love and mercy and hope uh, to the world and continue to make disciples of all nations. So thank you for your time today. I hope you enjoyed it. Love to hear your feedback on this and your thoughts. Um, and, and just always remember to, to fight hard and be your best.